Hey, everybody. Today we're in chapter four of evangelism, which continues to unpack the intentionality and preparations that we need to form the culture of evangelism that he's after. I want to draw from this and continue where we were last week discussing what this looks like in our cornerstone community. The big idea here is that if that we're more likely to share the gospel when we're actively looking for opportunities to do so. And if we want to be properly on the lookout, we need a bit of understanding and preparations for our head, our hearts, and our hands, and a regular focus on mission. So, what might that look like for us in community? Let me suggest seven things, though I'm sure there are more. Number one, model faithful evangelism as leaders. We discussed this in depth already, so I won't repeat all of that here. In short, we commend to others what we value, and we show what we value by what we talk about, where we spend our money and our time, what we consider success. Or shorter still, we practice what we preach. Number two, keeping, discussing, and praying for our top five. I've mentioned the top five briefly before in the series, and if you've been around DCC for any amount of time, I've hoped that you've heard us use that short phrase. You may have heard us say it as the top three or five, or the top three to five. The exact number isn't the point. What we mean by this is that we want to keep a short list of those non-believers whom God has sovereignly put in our lives in this season that we might be intentional in prioritizing time with them. When we make this list, we also commit to praying for them regularly and seeking to spend time together, and that when we're together, we seek meaningful spiritual conversations where we can share the gospel with the aim to persuade. I've kept a top five list for a few years now, It does change from season to season as people move in and out of proximity, and by God's grace, I hope to see that list change as people become believers. But whenever I'm setting out my top five, I make a recurring to-do to pray for them regularly, and I set at the start of each month, I reach out to one of them to set up time to hang out and grab coffee or lunch or whatever the case may be. I include praying for the top five in my personal discipleship plan, which then means that I've shared that with the guys in my discipleship group, and they hold me accountable for pursuing them. In community, then, we can continue this practice by spending time discussing and praying for our top five. I mean, especially, but not exclusively, as people are heading towards an occasion that they're hoping to share the gospel, we can pray for them in that effort. You'll note that this is a regular topic for us, too, as we gather corporately in our prayer nights. The third thing I want to highlight here is that in community, we can highlight faithful evangelism and the results of evangelism as evidences of God's grace. If you're not already in the habit of sharing evidences of grace, you should consider bringing this into your regular gathering in some fashion. It has countless benefits. It helps us keep our eyes on what God has and is doing in our midst. It allows us to receive everything from God as gifts. And it can be a massive encouragement to one another when we're recognizing not just evidences of grace in my own life, but in in others' lives. So whenever you do share these evidences of grace that you're seeing in others, be on the lookout for ways in which you've seen faithful evangelistic efforts. And even more so, we should be rejoicing with those who get to see friends and neighbors and coworkers come to saving faith. Jesus taught in the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin that heaven and the angels rejoice over a sinner who repents. And shouldn't we then rejoice with the heavenly host at God's grace for our friends? So that's three. Number four, um, discuss and brainstorm and encourage missional engagement. We should be regularly checking in on our missional engagement as a community. 
that could be part of some of the time we set out for family business or uh, if we feel like it's fallen out of focus, we can bring it up as a focal point for an evening. It could also be how we layer this into our discussion questions as pertinent in the text, maybe some of all of the above. The point being that we want to be talking about evangelism, which then sets and reinforces the understanding of why and how we want to be obedient to the Great Commission. Number five here on my list is practicing meaningful conversations. Last year, during our first Peter series, uh, I had suggested that communities try out this exercise in practicing gospel conversations, and our community uh, was willing to do so. 1 Peter 3, 14-16 says this, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So, after we had a good discussion of the text, we went around the room and did a bit of a role-playing exercise where we were each given the chance to respond to a question to practice this making a defense for the hope that's in us with gentleness and respect. And then following that exercise, we debriefed together. It was honestly one of my favorite gatherings of the year, and it was really helpful how in demonstrating and practicing how we could be ready to share the gospel at any point. Number six, do mission together. Consider hosting events as a community that everyone can attend with an eye toward meaningful conversations and invite non-believing friends, coworkers, neighbors, people in your lives. As we enter the summer, this can be really easy just by having someone host a barbecue or a grill out. It could be a game night. It could be serving together regularly and building relationships with those whom you serve, inviting friends and family and coworkers to see how we live life together. Any sort of event can be a basis for sharing this life together, which gives us opportunity to share the gospel with the aim to persuade. Seventh, lastly here, um, share testimonies regularly. We had an email thread about this earlier in the quarter, and I'm going to be working on some guidelines and best practices over the summer. But even with what we've discussed already, sharing our testimonies in community can do a lot to encourage evangelism for a few reasons. I think it reminds us that, one, we were dead in our sins. Two, it reminds us that the message of the gospel came to us. And three, that message came to us through others. And four, our lives are better because of that message. Those components work together to encourage our evangelism in the same ways because, one, we get to recognize the spiritual need of others, just as we had our own spiritual need. Two, the clarity and understanding of the gospel, which we heard and then carry forth. Three, the role that we can play in sharing that with others, as someone shared it with us at one point. And four, being remembered of the goal is to bring others to salvation. Now, you may be thinking, But what if I have non-believers in my community when we talk about these things? Isn't this going to be kind of awkward or off-putting or make them feel objectified? And I would say, if you're talking about the gospel motivation, that is, the love for others that flows from God's love for us, then no, a non-believer shouldn't feel objectified, but rather, they should feel loved to know that people are praying for him or her for their well-being. But... This is a good test. If you think that what you're saying could be be interpreted as off-putting by one of the people who are on your top five being present, then you probably need to re-examine how you talk about it. That means we shouldn't be condescending or patronizing or judgmental of others or even frustrated with the fact that they're living in sin. 
but rather we should be expressing genuine care for them that they might have life to the fullest as we do in Christ. I quoted from Penn Gillette earlier in the series. He's a famous and outspoken atheist who was rightly able to understand and articulate why people who believe in the biblical Jesus would want to share their faith out of loving concern for those who don't have eternal life and face God's just wrath. I'm thankful I have one of, one of my friends who's on the top five, has been on my top five list for years. He also understands this motivation. At one point a few years ago, he said to me sarcastically, you know, I know I'm one of your projects. And I said to him, if by project you mean that I pray for you and that I want you to know the love and the peace and the assurance and the grace and the rest that my life has, being full of joy and thankfulness, well, then yes, yes. Then in that case, you're a project. Otherwise, it means I just simply care for you. A few months later then, we were talking about truth And he too understood there my attempts to share Jesus, who is truth, was motivated by my care for him. And then just this last weekend, while he was attending a game night I was hosting and conversing with other Christians who were there, not even me, he commented, well, it turns out that every time I come over to Justin's house, I end up talking about spiritual things because Justin's always trying to evangelize to me because he cares about me or something. And so while he hasn't yet come to trust Jesus, he sure is learning about him through many conversations from faithful believers who aim to share and persuade. And we're praying together that he would come to place his trust in Jesus. Throughout this chapter, Stiles makes the point that we should not make assumptions about those around us, even those attending Christian gatherings, that they would be, in fact, born-again Christians. So his advice is that we instead get to know people personally. It's not the case that we need to give everyone a test when they show up, but rather seek to understand their life. To what degree or how well do they understand the gospel? Are they growing at the moment in the fear of the Lord? What is the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in their lives? None of us have arrived. None of us have been fully sanctified in this life, so we can approach others in humility. And as we get to know them, we can aim to understand where they are in their faith so we might encourage them in relevant and helpful ways. I want to close our topic today with some of Paul's words to the Colossian church, chapters, chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Note here how Paul is articulating the role of prayer, God's work, and our participation in speaking the gospel to those around us. He writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. With that, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you that someone has declared the mystery of the gospel to us, that you had worked through that, that we might be here today as your children, adopted sons and daughters. God, I ask that you would give us a heart for those around us that don't yet know you. I ask, God, that you would help us see them rightly. I pray that you would open doors for the spreading of your gospel. You would equip us to speak truth um, to do so graciously and winsomely. God, I pray that we would make the best use of the time, talent, treasures, the gifts that you've given us for your glory and the good of those around us and our own joy. 
God, I pray that we would always be gracious in how we speak. We may build up the church and call non-believers to active repentance and faith. We pray that you would move in our midst through this series and through this time. We pray this in Jesus' name.